I'm a motherfucking beast girl In this jungle out here I'ma mean that shit sometimes I won't mean that shit I'm trying to find a way to beat that shit Tell you exactly what you wanna hear And I'm, I'ma have fun with it Give me your heart and I'll run with it Give it back in pieces when I'm done with it Hey everybody I know we've been gone for a minute But we back Yeah What up everybody <laughs> It's your girl Dominique Renee Your boy Aunt Smalls And we are here as the relationship DNA. So, you know, we always talk about a topic, good, good topics. And the thing that's different this time is I am leading. So if I make a lot of mistakes or bloopers, please don't come for me. <laughs> <laughs> so today's topic is, are you willing to die to be reborn? AKA, you going to die anyway. Could you walk through the broken soul of yourself? Hmm. So, you know, we always started right with the morning affirmation that is allocated towards the topic. So I'm going to go first. You know, I always got a quote, a song, a lyric or something like that to go with it. So there was this one um, quote that I saw on Google when I just put in rebirth for like transition. And it really stated and it like resonated with me that there can be no rebirth without a dark night of the soul a total annihilation of what you believed in and thought you were. So I really agree with that because I feel like we all have this perception of what we're supposed to be and we're happy and content. And then once that dark night comes or that demotion or that breakup or that um, whatever transition you go through in your life happens, your whole world as you knew it does fade. And so it's time for a rebirth. It's time to change channels or it's time to do things different. You can either be sad and depressed about what's going on, or you can, you know, just grow through it and move through it. So that kind of really resonated with me. Oh, that's deep. That's deep. So my morning affirmation for this thing is don't be willing to sacrifice the pain or the hurt that you might go through or experience when you're trying to rebuild yourself. Mm. A lot of us run away from the pain, the pain of the reality that this happened or the reality that I might've done this. But once you figure out where all of these things stem from, how they control you, how they trigger you, guess what? You can no longer be hurt from this. But if you keep avoiding the ability to cleanse yourself of your old skin, as the Bible says, <laughs> shut your skin and get a new one. Exactly. Like you're never going to be reborn. You're never going to be changed. You're never going to be made better. And unfortunately, not every experience you go through is going to be negative, but the ones that you do go through can recover from. So that's mm -hmm. Okay. So we're going to pass this off to Ant because he is the master of the relationship role play. <laughs> So, scenario. You ready? I'm ready. A fiancé tells her fiancé to get counseling. He's willing to get counseling if she agrees to do couples and independent counseling. She claims he is the problem. He claims if one of us is a problem, then we both have a problem. She gives him an ultimatum and go. You have the characteristic of anger. And I have the characterability of, I mean, the characteristic of <laughs> accountability. Sorry, I stumbled on the word. It's okay. So with that being said, let's get this timer. You know set. what? I was angry last time. I'm the angry woman all the time, but I like it. I like it. You know it what? If, if you want, we could flip it. I'll give you the four personalities. You could pick one. No, I, I like to be angry because mm, yeah. <laughs> in the world of customer service, I always have to be polite. So when I could just put my anger into something, I, I enjoy it. So keep giving me the angry part. <laughs> so for the people, <laughs> for our listeners, I put it on a little spinner thing on, on the um phone app and yes. that's what came up. So that's why we have these traits. I, I had that all on the wheel. I spin them twice and then whichever two come up is what we'll freestyle with. Okay. So that being said, I will start the timer. Are you ready? 
am ready, set, go. I just feel like you need to go to counseling. You don't communicate with me. And how do you expect for us to grow as a couple if you don't ever communicate with me? I'm just frustrated of always being the mature person and you're the immature one. Look, can I say something? My, my mature sense is saying we have a problem. If we're experiencing something bad in our relationship, that means that it's something between both of us. You keep saying it's me, but it's us experiencing this. So how, why do I just have to seek counsel? Why don't we both seek counsel? You trigger me to get upset. If you would be right and act right and know how to communicate and do the things that we need to do in a relationship, I wouldn't have these issues. But how do I trigger you? you? How do I trigger you? You trigger me by not doing what I asked you to do. I'm very clear and concise. I want you to wash the dishes. Well, after I cook, why can't you wash the dishes? Okay. I ask you to, if you're staying out late, to just tell me you're not coming home or just to text me when you're coming in and you don't do it. You can't communicate. I don't understand. It's like you do it on purpose to see me upset and I'm sick of it. It's not that I do it on purpose. I, I admit sometimes I forget. But at the same time, you ever heard of the gun in the chamber analogy? Sometimes if you pull the trigger, the bullet will fire. Sometimes when you pull a trigger, the bullet will jam. So if I trigger you, why are you not jamming? I am jamming, either jamming out of this relationship if you don't get it together. So now you're threatening to leave because I'm agreeing to see counseling so we can get on a better communicated path. But you're telling I'm, me that you're just going to leave if I don't do it. I'm not threatening you. I'm telling you how I feel. It's been forever. And I've been telling you for years that this is what needs to happen. How much patience can you give somebody? Why do you feel I need therapy? I feel like you're gaslighting me. I feel like you're turning things around just so you can feel better about yourself. And then we go to couples counseling and you have somebody talking bad about me and then flipping it on me like it's my fault. It's not my fault. It's your fault. You always it, blaming me. It's not your fault. You're saying it's my fault. I'm saying it's your fault. And the counselor is saying it's both our faults. But yet you only point the finger at me. If the counselor How do you saying know what the counselor is going to say? We ain't go and we not going. I'm just saying that if we go there, the counselor is going to say it's both of us. How do you know? You ain't never been to therapy. I've been to therapy before. I'm and, healed. I've been delivered. If it's if you've been healed, you wouldn't be triggered so much. You might need more counseling. My therapist told me to stay away from triggers, but obviously I ain't listen. So what are you going for if you're not getting the message? I got the message. You need the therapy. Message. Message. That's crazy to me, you know, because sometimes I, I want to think that you're all there, but the more and more that you say things, I think like it's just gone. Like there's no help. Well, here for you. we go. Blaming me again when it's I'm not you. blaming you. It's you. You are. You just said I'm the crazy one. <laughs> uh, Yo, we need, whole, we need a whole episode of relationship replay. <laughs> role play. Yo. We be going, we just like transform it to other people. I love it. Listen, I enjoy the acting. Yes, <laughs> we should shoot our own shorts at some point. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, yo. So that's, shorts, yep. <laughs> that's the relationship role play. Oh, uh, cold. So let's let's go. Oh, yeah, you quarterbacking it, right? So let me let me fall back and play my role. Go ahead, you do your thing. Yes. So we always have questions for each other from a female's point of view and a male point of view in regards to the topic. So I'm going to start it off and I have a question for you. When men get their heart broken for the first time, do you feel like it's a rebirth of their perspective of love? Hmm. I would say getting your heart broken for the first time, it's, it's difficult for first timers to compare it or gauge it to something else. Mm -hmm. So now that I'm older, my first heartbreak, it was devastating only because I didn't have the experience to, comp to compare it to. A lot of times we grow up and we have this universal point of view of life and it's from your family, your environment, your community, and you think it's supposed to go this way, but it, you're not realizing that everybody has their own communities, their own families, their own environment. They're going to see something different. So you might not be on the same page. So if somebody breaks your heart, you might react because you're thinking it's supposed to go this way. That's what Disney told me. Disney told me we live happily ever after. <laughs> you know, I see my parents live happily ever after. Then what if that person didn't have the happily ever after ending? What if they had something different? So it's just it's it's hard to compare it to when you're young. But when you get older, I think you 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 start getting a, a wide range of things to to view things as. From a female's perspective, 
it always feels like when a man gets his heart broken that it seems like he's changed like a lot of women try to get him and I guess now at this age you can't really find a man who hasn't got their heart broken I mean at this age we're in our 30s we've all you know had some hardships when it comes to a relationship that have not went the way that we thought it was or we were in love or other things happen or people have done things to hurt us so it's like especially in my 20s I always try to find a guy who not a younger guy but I guess a guy that really didn't seem like he was that in love I know this may sound silly but not that in love because I felt like once his heart was broken he was kind of tarnished like he really wouldn't give his oil all but then like you said it's the, the maturity like growing up realizing that this is a part of life that this is not just because one girl broke my heart doesn't mean I gotta be a player or whatever the the key may be because a lot of females we think that's the reason why a guy's a player because he got his heart broken and didn't heal correctly so I always think of that as like do men really rebirth have a rebirth after their first heartbreak because us females we handle it maybe because we experience it more we handle it a little better but I always think that to myself that you know it always feels like a man really does transform or goes through a transition after a heartbreak well it's hard it's hard to 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 generalize you know men and women and what they do mm -hmm. I will I'll try to to make it more um from experience uh, uh a personal experience I'll do that mm -hmm. so I became a player from the older kids telling me this is what you're supposed to do my older cousins telling me this is what my older uncles telling you what to do a lot of time guys we hear that over and over again we might see it over and over again and we think this is what you're supposed to do this is how you're supposed to behave mm -hmm. so sometimes it, it 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 starts from the behaviors that you learn from your environment it's not purposely i think we all want to be players i just think that that's what your, your community shows that's what the videos show that's what mm -hmm. the music tells you and you behave accordingly what you think is cool mm. it wasn't until i got older where i started to say like even now my son is about to turn 19 and we're talking about life we're talking about girls and i'm just like i was out there doing so much stuff that i wish i could take back 95 percent of all my sexual experiences wow because 95 95 <laughs> And the reason why I say 95 is because when I when I start thinking about all of the things that I've done sexually mm -hmm. in my life, and I'm mm -hmm. just like, was everybody worthy of me? Mm, that part. And did I give myself away too much to where I literally gave myself away and I didn't have an identity of self? Mm. So there's a there's those few people that you connected where you're like that was worth it i learned something from thing i grew with mm -hmm. that with that person and then there's those ones where you just be like i was out chilling and this happened or you know unmistakably one time i was at a lounge and one girl was like offering all the stuff towards me and i'm like i never heard that before let's <laughs> let's go see what this is and then on my mom, and you know i i'd never seen that girl again in my life and yeah. it's just like those those realities start to you know, paint a picture for you. And now I'm looking at my kids date and, you know, stuff like that. And I'm just like, I got to tell y'all about just what to be aware of. I do my best to just give them information so that they can, they can make the best choices. I never say this is what you need to do. I say, yeah, listen, this is what your father did because he was out there. But I just want to let you know that this is one way I viewed it. Now that I'm older, this is how I view it. And you're going to have your experience, but at least you have now my blueprint of it. Talk to yeah. your grandmother, talk to your grandfather, talk to your mother. Now you got multiple point of views to look at a situation. So when it arrives, you can revert to something that you heard mm -hmm. and make the best decision possible. Mm, I like that. Thank you. I like that. Passing on. I think it's good that we pass along those um, lessons learned to our kids. So they, you know, because they usually say, oh, you tell your kids not to touch oven because it's too hot and then you never tell them what happens when they do touch the oven and so they learn for themselves so i feel like sometimes we um well before we lived in a generation where they kind of kept secrets and didn't tell you things of why you know certain per people like you know you always had that that um functioning alcoholic um cousin or or uncle or whatever the case may be but you never knew what problems allied there to 
that person, you know, substance, substance abusing or whatever the case may be. So mm -hmm. I feel like just expressing the lesson learned, the heartbreaks, the disappointments and those things like that, our, our kids, our youth will be able to make, you know, conscious decisions better than we did because we're able to share and be more open with our children. Mm -hmm. Definitely. That is something that um, you try to not be as controlling as you feel like your parents were or something like mm -hmm. that. Like I, I always think about everything that my parents did that I, I really appreciate now as, a, as an adult mm -hmm. and things that I didn't appreciate. Everything I didn't appreciate, I don't repeat. Yeah. Like there was one thing my mom used to do a lot when we were pissed. She saw it. She'd say, hey, come here. You walk over to her with your letter. So she'd be like, now smile. You can't walk away until you smile and you force a smile, but mm -hmm. literally that smile gets you less upset. Yeah. And I started doing it to my kids and my mother would be like, yeah, remember when you didn't like me doing that to you? I was like, I, I like that. So I pass it on yeah. to them. <laughs> Stuff Even like you that. saying that, it made me smile. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think those little things really mm -hmm. do help. So let me ask you a question. I, sure. I, I hate to, to jump in and, 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 and try to steal the show. <laughs> no, it's your turn. But I want to know, um, what do you think the, the, the title itself? Are you willing to die to be reborn? What do you think that means in terms of the dating pool? I think it's willing to accept your own responsibilities of the decisions that you made in the past and take accountability. That's what I feel like it is. Are you really willing to look at the things that you did wrong in order to be better when I look at it? Because you can always say, why I keep dating the same type of men or why um, I attract this certain kind of type. And you got to think to yourself, what is it that I'm giving off? Do I really have self-worth in myself? Do I really love myself? Am I okay with being by myself? Because a person that's not okay with being by themselves they're going to always want to be around somebody. So you're around a person that's going to want to be around you. And sometimes that's not the best person for you. But when you will, when you learn your, to love and appreciate self-love and your self-time, you don't want to, especially when you get really busy in life, you don't want to just waste that free time with anybody. Like you want to really value your time with somebody who values you. Mm -hmm. So I feel like our, when you, it's like kind of like to kill your own self-esteem or to like, kill your own perceptions of what you think of yourself. Like some people think, oh, you know, because I'm like, for me instance, I always thought because I was good looking um, or I, I carried myself a certain type of way, I had a good personality that that was it. Like, of course there can be anything wrong with me. You know, I'm a good person. I, you know, I dress well, I, I look good. Um, why am I attracting, you know, these type of men? It's not like I'm, you know, putting myself out there sexually or dressing, you know, revealing or anything like that, even though what I wear shouldn't be a definition of who I am as a person. But I always just, I always looked out outer and not inner and not knowing that there were things about me that you don't even know that you, that you're conditioned to with growing up and just society and, and your own perceptions in your head that you have to really write out and you got to really analyze, like my therapist told me to write out every relationship that I had and write out every, all the pros and the cons and whatever cons were the same to highlight them and to really think how I acted on that. Did I confront that person about how they made me feel? Did I, um, did I change once I knew that that person was doing something to me? Did I express that to the next relationship that that's not what I wanted? So it's like, you got to learn how to break that cycle. You have to really learn how to take accountability and you really got to learn how to um, strip yourself mm -hmm. of all the, the superficial shit, you know? Mm. Yeah. So I really feel like when it comes to dating, that's what it means to die. Like you got to really like literally die. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I felt like I, I'm, I, I'm dead. Like, <laughs> I'm at that point. So what a lot of the listeners don't know, like I, I sit back and I listen to a lot of talk shows, a lot of podcasts. Uh, mm -hmm. And when I hear something interesting, I write it down. You've seen the list of topics I have like yes. over and over again. Yes. So Damo picked this topic. When I heard it, it stood out when somebody said, are you willing to die to be reborn? A thousand things go through my head. That's just my creativity. I was just mm -hmm. like, okay, dying to be reborn. If you die, they say you come back spiritually as somebody else resurrection, right? They say, if you 
are baptized, you die to be reborn. I was like, so, so many things popped into my head. I was like, this is a great topic. And then I was thinking about relationships. And I'm like, if you're in a relationship with somebody and you're supposed to be one, one of you are willing to die, go to therapy, go to counseling, to, to change the outcome, go back to school to make more money, move to relocate to have a better outcome, have kids because you're in love with somebody. All these different things changes the outcome or changes the, the current climate situation that we're in. Are we both willing to die for all the things to come to fruition? So that's why I like this topic popped out to me. I was just like, wow, there's so many ways to hear the topic, view the topic and speak about the topic. Is very true because in so many aspects in our lives, we have to be reborn. Like even a graduation, it's like, okay, it's a death to elementary or in a year into junior high school. And then you, and now you're in high school, now you're in college. It's like, you got to look at every transition in your life as a rebirth, even jobs get fired, you die from there. <laughs> they terminate you even at my job. Like I'd be like, terminate, Woo, it's very strong, but that's what it is. It's an ending. Mm -hmm. that's, why, that's why I said, AKA, either way, you're going to die. Mm -hmm. If you do nothing, you'll die. If you'll do something, you could die. But either way, death is there. Now, how do you take control of your definition of death? And are you willing to change it to be reborn? It's how we handle death. I think um, we're never really taught how to handle it. We are, we're never taught that i mean we know that it's a part of life but it's never taught or or glorified like life because nobody really i mean there's people who have said they have died and came back or had moments where they've went into the pearly gates and it wasn't their time and it was time to come back or whatever the case may be but it's like we only really speak about life and what it is or the possibilities because that's what we know it could be we don't know what death is death could be something great your next life may be greater than this I don't know who and maybe worse but what I think about it is that we're not educated on what death does for us like even like when a person passes away in our lives it's a transition for those people that was involved because now their life has changed now do we like a lot of people say after a person died in their life they either either never got over it and things happen where they never really fully transitioned in their life or they know that this was a moment in time that this happened it life like they say life happens we don't know what's predictable do we take those lessons and we be better or we we are more grateful for life so it's so many different opportunities that we got to look at when death does come in a human form or whatever type of transition in our life you know even a breakup that's a death, right? You feel heartbreak. They say the worst pain in the world is a heartbreak. So it's like, do you be scarred from that or do you learn from that? So I just feel like everything in life kind of prepares us for the ultimate death because we're going to face it. You know, it's inevitable. Everybody, you know, is going to, it's going to happen to us, to the cockroaches, to the human beings. <laughs> we're all going to, we all going to, you know. Roaches don't die, they multiply. Thank you, right? You kill one and then five come out. <laughs> you know what I find funny though? What? Or 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 weird. Growing up in a in a church, in a you know, the black community, we have thousands of churches. Mm -hmm. Since I was a kid, I've watched people sing about when they all get to heaven, what a glorious day it'll be. Mm -hmm. Ironically, everybody's afraid of death. Nobody wants to die, but we keep hearing about how much. It's going to be better in the next life mm -hmm. and what's going to be so glorious about being in heaven. But everybody, I, I haven't really met anybody that was a f like, like happy to die. Most people that felt like they lived their, their, their full life and they're at that age where they know that they're old and stuff like that. Like my grandfather, right before he passed away, mm -hmm. it was a point where he's just like, yeah, I'm ready to go. Mm -hmm. I didn't 90, 90 something years and I'm ready to go. And yeah. literally not too long after he said that he was gone. And I think that is when you're unafraid. Now, take it into the fear of being hurt through the reality of your childhood, the reality of your trauma. We run from that fear of dying to be reborn, as well as we run from the fear of actually dying to be reborn. I feel like there's a weird alignment or parallel between the fear, the notion of fear and, and death.
in all aspects? It's uncontrollable. You don't know. Like you could be a perfect, healthy person and walk down the street and get hit by a milk truck. Or you could, um, I don't know, fight, fight. Sometimes some people get tired. Like they get conditions like cancer and they, they fight it three or four times it comes back. And that fourth time people are like, why you don't want to fight no more? And it's like, listen, they tired of being, they tired of beating, trying to beat something that feels like it's taking over them. So they feel like death has won, or it, this is, this is what their transition is that they, they fought the good fight. And now it's time to, to have a good death, I guess, or a peaceful death or a peaceful ending. You know, you just, you don't know how that person feels or until you, get in a situation where you're fighting for your life and you're tired of fighting you know who who are we to say someone's energy to not want to fight you know mm-hmm. I always look at people and people are like upset with certain like people like when they have terminal diseases and they don't want to go through all the trials and different things like that to save themselves who are we to say that person should spend in misery here just so it could be, so we could feel better about ourselves. Cause that's all you're doing. You're not helping that person. If that person doesn't want to live or that person feels that living is, is worse than death, then who are we to put our selfish thoughts onto them and not let them be peaceful, mm-hmm. you know, just cause we want some type of peace. But you know, what's funny. And this is how my mind really works. <laughs> I said that about the death, right? Yeah. Now, ironically, there's another reference of death that everybody enjoys. And you know what death that is? What death is that? If you're, if you're a reader of Shakespeare, and I believe the play is Much Ado About Nothing, mm-hmm. he used the phrase to die. And you know what he used it in meaning? What? To have a sexual orgasm. Ah! Well, a lot of people feel like like they be dying sometimes. <laughs> in that terms of death, everybody loves to die. Yep. And I was just like, it's weird in my mind because I'm just like, it all depends on where your reference of death comes from. You like, like literally death means that, but on other aspects, writing, religion, region, Mm -hmm. death can have different symbologies. Yeah. And I just thought that was interesting. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, if you think about it, it's the climax and after the climax is the fall. So it's like after the fall is the death. Like... (laughs) Yeah, sometimes you die. <laughs> Playing the night, you play. Yeah. <laughs> There's another quote that I saw that every night I go to sleep, I die and I wake up and become someone new. So, mm. you know, as they always say, tomorrow's another day. You know, what cannot be done today could be done tomorrow. Just different things like that. And I feel, I, I agree with those kind of quotes. And I feel like there's some type of quotes to just get people to cope. Like, you know how you always say, oh, they're in a better place or um, it'll get better in time. So I, I just feel like until you get into those situations, you don't want to hear that. That's the last thing you want to hear. Like, I don't want to hear they in a better place because I don't know if they're in a better place right now. I want them to be with me. Like, you just don't like I just I believe that there is comfort in words and the things that you do. But I feel like sometimes we we overuse them because we just don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. I read some some books that just talk about words as spells, like every word has a spell. The reason why you spell out the word is because you are creating something, something that is real, something that's vibrant, something that um, goes to the universe. So if you have nothing but negative to say, the universe will create nothing but negative, but you already have what they call a uh, uh, confirmation bias that everything that you see now will be negative. So not only will the negative things happen, but you will always see that's negative versus mm. saying everything positive. And every time something positive, everything happens, you'll see something positive in it, no matter how negative it is. That's interesting. <laughs> so I have a question for you because there's been a thing sparking around on social media. You know, social media. <laughs> social media is the devil. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. I need that needs to be the death of me. Um, <laughs> but there's a funny thing. Like people don't like to say good morning. They start saying grand rising. Do and I know you're very um captive with words and meanings. How do you feel about the good morning versus the grand rising? Uh I see them both as greetings. Okay. Because 
I don't even know why people say good morning to begin with. That would be something that I, you would have to like really look up and get an understanding of what it means. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, everything we do on a daily basis doesn't have meaning. And as you try to use Google, Google's, Google's a great place, but it gives you not what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. It gives you thousands and thousands of references, but Probably not the answer mm-hmm. you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, and I hate to go off on a tangent. I remember okay. one time I was trying to understand the middle finger. And when I, I know, did, where did it come from? Like really? <laughs> so I did some some googling, and yeah. the middle finger was they said was a phallic. Mm-hmm. This is this is supposed to be the penis. These are supposed to be the balls. So that's means you want to have sex with somebody. Oh, okay. Then on another note, they were saying like when the Indians, Native Americans had the bow and arrow mm-hmm. before guns were invaded, gunpowder was invented. When they wanted to get close to the Indians, they would just hit them with the bomb. So when they caught them, they would cut off their finger. Oh, wow. So they would do this to say, I still got my finger, you fucker. Like I can still oh, hit you. Like I, still I can hit still hit you. you. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, yo, this is interesting to hear these two. Uh, stories about the middle finger. Two different stories. But which but one? Still, but both make sense. They both make sense. Which one is correct? How do you yeah. know which one is correct? That's why I was just like, you know, why do people say good morning? Oh, almost like even when when you do like the religious studies, why do people say amen? Mm-hmm. And then from the from the studies I got, they say amen because we pray to Amen Ra, the God of Wrath, I, I believe. And Amen Ra is big in. My brother's now for that's one of their big um Greek gods and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So it's just like you you're curious to know why people when you sneeze when you sneeze why you say bless you. I heard it's because your heart stops when um you sneeze. That's what they say. But who actually looked it up and did that research that that's actually why? And what the people before Google and internet what did they say? Exactly. When you start going back back back. So good morning. I think it's just a greeting. Grand rise is just a greeting unless there's some real symbology behind. Yeah. What does grand rising actually mean? What does what father, does brand mean? <laughs> what is what exactly, is morning? Exactly, you got to start looking at these words. Like my father mm-hmm. has a thing about saying goodbye. I don't know why he doesn't like. He doesn't like goodbye. Like he's like, no, don't say goodbye to me. See, see you later, or talk to you later. Like he just has this this negative connotation with goodbye. And I, he's like, goodbye is so is so permanent. Like I'm never gonna see you again. And I'm just like, goodbye is just temporary to me. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you say, you know good night or goodbye that's temporary you know he's like so what is the permanent for goodbye then like it's it's like goodbye is that's it like what about get the fuck out of my life ain't that permanent that is but yes when you hear those phrases people tend to stay like uh-huh. this your third time telling me get the fuck out your life i'm still here my father will get i will i because it's so like you know um repetitive for me or or like just in my mind so like sometimes i'll forget and i'll be like all right Goodbye, daddy. He he'll call me right back. Don't say that. Talk to me. Say talk to you later. I'm like, okay. <laughs> talk to you yeah. later. Start saying, start saying one, son. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I never really got into the to the the definitions of saying goodbye. It's kind of like because we say goodbye. It's almost like me and Steph was talking about the other day. Like when you get off the phone, you just be like, I love you, I love you. You say this so much in a day. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. I thought, why you be like, yo, we said. He says just because it's becoming a habit and a routine. Mm-hmm. It's just weird. You pick up these universal norms because everybody's doing it. Yeah. Even, you know what I noticed in the customer service world? Like, um, we're conditioned to ask somebody, oh, how are you doing today? And they're like, I'm good. You know what I started doing to be realistic? Because I feel like you start to get repetitive and robotic throughout the day. I'm not, I don't, I don't say I'm good when I'm not. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I'm tired today. I didn't get my coffee. And then you know what? I just spark a conversation or, you know what? I'm not feeling well today. I'm under the weather. I got caught in the rain on Friday. And it's like, let's be realistic with each other. Like, you know, every day I'm not good. Mm-hmm. Every transaction, I'm not good. So I just learned to be more authentic. That is my goal, to be more authentic. And even in the world of customer service where you have to, you know, the customer's always first, so la, 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 la. I have to keep my authenticity to myself. Like um, when I'm not doing good, I'm like, I'm, I tell them I'm not doing good. <laughs> like, no, I'm not saying like, I hate this job. I don't ever want to work here. Why are you calling me? Da, da, da. But you know, I'm like, you know, especially during my job, we're doing annual enrollment now. And they're like, well, how are you doing? I'm like, well, annual enrollment has been, you know, it's been a lot, you know, due to the new changes. 
They're like, yeah, I know. I'm so happy that you guys are helping us. I'm very appreciative of you. So it's like, I get that, that positive energy back because five seconds before I was like, oh. but when you hear appreciation or you hear people um, relating to you, it kind of makes the day go by fast or makes the transaction or makes it really feel like you're speaking to a person and not, a, or you're not a robot, even though you're putting through all these transactions daily. So mm -hmm. I've learned that, you know, we got to be real with each other a little bit more in order to be ourselves as well. And I feel like even in our jobs, we get conditioned of being different people. How do we become who we were before? Like before we got tarnished from disappointments, um, constantly hearing, you know, uh, us as, you know, black and brown communities, it's not easy for us in the corporate world. It's not easy for us in the world generally. Like, how do we stay authentic to ourselves as a race, as a community with all this, this adversity and stuff against us? So even think about that re a rebirth as, you know, we'll, with the Black Lives Matter movement and, you know, us sticking together, buying black, you know, support black businesses and all this stuff like that. How are we as a community being reborn do we have to have have we really died from from slavery um separate i mean you know all the different things we segregation dream chloral have we really walked through the broken souls of ourselves or our ancestors if you want to get that deep into us becoming the new black generation and you know stronger that's that's together not divided you know how how things were set up before like, are we as a community being reborn to be the best that we're supposed to be? No, I'm glad you said that because that was something that I was thinking, trying to um, come up with uh, something more in alignment with the with with the topic, mm -hmm. and not just always about relationships. I know we're a relationship podcast, but yeah, community is relations. Mm -hmm. You know, our, our neighbors is 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 a relationship. So it's hard for our community specifically to kill off old sayings, old beliefs, old ways of doing things. I look at all the other movements and communities and they're all jumping ahead of the black struggle in a sense. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's mainly because we're so divided and how do we kill the division that plagued us from the early days of slavery of house negro to field negro from light skin to dark skin mm -hmm. from straight hair to nappy hair from colored eyes to non-colored eyes how do we kill off all of these old tropes all these old ideologies and start becoming one even if you look at verses mm -hmm. we're the only genre and they keep saying this that we have to kill one of our greats and replace them with a new Mm -hmm. They don't do that in rock and roll where they were like, you know, you got to kill the Rolling Stones and Guns N' Roses because you got to make way for this band. Exactly. Where does that division and comparison always come from within our community? And sometimes I don't even feel like it's our brainchild that's creating it. I always feel like it's some non-Black person on social media that puts these things out and now everybody Black is arguing over it. <laughs> Well, I don't think, you know, we've been going through this before social media. <laughs> it's just easier now for us to find it. But mm -hmm. I do agree. Like, I feel like there's always got to be, you know, even in hip hop, Jay-Z or Nas, Cardi B or Nicki Minaj or whatever the case may be. And it's just like, why can't we both all win it, be at the top? Mm -hmm. And, you know, what? I was looking at the um, the 30th wealthiest, um, wealthiest uh, hip hop artist. And I was very surprised that some people on that list. Like mm -hmm. Chameleonaire was up there. And I'm like, okay, Chameleonaire just had riding dirty. But I'm like, you know what? He stayed in his lane. He invested. He did other things with his money. So he was able to, you know, he I don't think he was, well, I don't know. I'm not Chameleonaire, but I'm I'm thinking from his, you know, his lifestyle and what he did. He was like, listen, I'm gonna use this money that I gained from riding dirty and my publicity, and I'm going to put this into something else. I don't think Chameleonaire was like, I'm going to be the number one dirty South or wherever he came from rapper. And that was his mindset. And not saying that to be the best is, is wrong because um, there's nothing with being the best in your game or wanting to be the, the best in any genre that you are in in life. But I think when we concentrate more on the bigger purpose, which is longevity, to be successful, that's when you truly win.
Mm-hmm. You, you know, know, you know what? I I I look at Earn Your Leisure podcast. Mm-hmm. I look at a few of those type of, of of podcasts or black voices that are given the game. Uh, the Wall uh, Wall Street Trapper or uh, Hood Hood Trapper. These people that are actually speaking to certain advantages that a system creates that we don't have access to. Those are the ways that we change the outcome because nobody knows that Chamillionaire might have. I don't I don't know if he had an independent deal. Some people sign the mega label deals. Yeah. And once you do that, you automatically sign off most of your ownership. Um, they were just talking about the other day, like when you, they call this thing a signing bonus in a rap game. Yeah. Signing bonuses mean different things and different things. In the NBA, if you sign a signing bonus, I signed a hundred million dollar contract for, for 10 years. Let's say that's 10, 10 million a year. My signing bonus is 60 million. So that means immediately 60 million comes to me. And uh, every 10 years I'll get my 10 million. Mm-hmm. With the rap game, there's hundred, there's 200,000 that they give you for a signing bonus. That's an advance for you to get your album done. Mm-hmm. It's not for you to buy a house. It's not for you to go clothes shopping. It's not for you to stun on these holes. not for you to stun on the projects. It's for you to get your album done. Mm-hmm. A lot of times those people will take the advance money and then go back and take more money to get the album done. Mm. You officially owe them 400,000 out the gate. Wow. So whether you sign it, whether you sell records or not, this signing bonus is not a signing bonus. Yeah. So it's like stuff like that. Like even Flowrider not being um, most popular rapper. Mm-hmm. But you know how much money he actually has? Just because he doesn't rap for a black audience. He's Pitbull. worldwide with Pitbull. <laughs> Him and Pitbull all over the world because Pitbull they don't rap top, for everybody. I think Flowrider and Pitbull were on the top 30 list. Mm-hmm. So they don't have that. I don't think they they take those mega, mega deals, but I think they also know their target audience. Yep. They know how they go on merchandise. They know how they're going to do their partnerships. Mm-hmm. You think Pitbull was just in the commercial for the television, I mean, for the phone, just to be in a, a commercial? Nah, it's specific deals like LeBron with the Lifetime Nike deal. Like stuff like that. If you don't know how much it's worth, but Lifetime, I'm quite sure that's in a billion range. Exactly. I already got 200 million my first rookie deal. So I'm quite sure this is way more than that. So it's, it's things like that. Just thinking outside of the box and not doing the same thing as you see everybody else does. To quickly jump on the rap thing, I was listening to, what's his name? MC Search from Third Base. So he has a publishing company that he started because he saw rappers getting jerked when he was out. Mm. It's, it's called uh, Searchlight Publishing. Back, yep. He said, um, I found Nas because he was talking about all the stuff. Like, I found Nas. Nas has spent for me. I was like, he's crazy. I brought him here. We got him on, um, I think it was uh, Live at the Barbecue or Back to the Grill again, something like that. Mm-hmm. And Nas spit that that verse. So he was like, when I was 12, I went to hell for snuffing Jesus. And he was like, for somebody 12 years old to say that, that young, that metaphor, that that wordplay, it was mm-hmm. like, yo, he's crazy. He said, Nas come to him. After everybody leaves the studio, he's like, yo, I got this deal on the table. Can you please look at it and let me know what you think? He's like, I didn't want to advocate for him. I said, yo, in order for me to advocate for you, you got to put me on as your like manager type thing. And I'm gonna give you the best advice, but I'm not going to do it just like off the strength that we know each other. Put me in a position to be a manager. Now I can go to labels and tell them whatever. So he's like, let me think about it. He came back to him and was like, yo, I trust you. Do your thing. He said, all right, I'm looking over there. He said, this is the same whack deal we signed in like 89. <laughs> He was like, you got to go. He said, I've never seen a royalty check. He was like, don't sign this deal. He was like, who gave you this deal? He told him that. He was like, I knew the people that gave him the deal. And I'm shocked that these are cats that we all know each other. We're all, of, uh, you know, in the game. Why would you screw over another guy in the game? So he was like, I went to them like, yo, this this, this deal is stupid. Why would you do this to him? Mm-hmm. And they was mad at him because he's like, yo, why are you trying to fuck him? He's like, no, just do right by him. He's like, what do you think is right? He's like, he wants to buy his mother a house. Why don't you set the deal up like, like this, like this? He can get this, 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 and that, and that. And he was like, after they adjusted the deal, he signed it. And for the first album, he got his mother out of the projects. Also, on the first album, he put his daughter's name as executive producer. So every time he made money, she had money. She made money, yep. And stuff like that. Like, But who knows to think like that? Who's giving out that advice? We don't know that as a community. We don't know that, like, to put to give a legacy for our kids and and then we think like we're not born with the silver spoon but like which i get white privilege and everything like that but we gotta 
we are in a better opportunity and a better place where we can set the bar a little higher. We can do what we need to do, but as a community, we need to, to work together and stop thinking that we're crabs in the barrel and, and start helping people out. For an example, with my business, I've been a small business owner for about a year and I've been trying to get you know my business out and stuff like that. I met a girl who um, has her own self-care boutique. She has two of them. Right now, one of them is struggling. She's like, I'm like, I'm in the neighborhood. I know this is a need that people want, but people don't know about it. So I said, okay, what could we do to help each other? And then she's like, well, I need this person. I was like, well, I know this person. And we just connected. And like yesterday, it was so dope that like four of us, four Black females sat together and was able just to share knowledge. One is in a political field. One's in an esthetician. Me, I'm customer service and beauty. Um, you know, all the other things that I do. And then she's a she's a, a business owner and she's younger than me. She's a 24 year old woman who was smart with her money, who invested, who invested well, a mother of three kids. And she's trying to do something different. And it's like me as as an older female, shouldn't, you know, usually somebody would be like, oh, wow, well, I'm helping her. She got it together. That I, like, no, I didn't look at it like that. I looked at this black woman need help. I'm a helper. You know, I'm going to, if she need, if she, this is something she bring to the community. I ain't got to go to the city now to get my self-care on. I, I got this here. Like you, and she don't, she's not even from the Bronx. And it's like for her to want to put that in the community and for her to, to at that young age, have that, that insight and to have that um determination. It's my, my duty as a black sister, or even as a black female in the community to help her succeed because her failure is my failure. How I'm going to let somebody fail in my own community. But mm -hmm. I, I support the Koreans up the block to go to the beauty supply store all the time. Mm -hmm. I support, you know, um, everybody, the Asians at the liquor store all the time. Like, you know, and I can't support my own sister. Like, that's how we got to look at it. And I mm -hmm. feel like we're not, we don't, we don't look, we're, we're not trained to help each other out. We're trained to get ahead mm -hmm. of the next person or that person's in my way or we both can't win. And I think once we, we take that out of our heads and we get we get over, we break the cycles or the rebirth, like you said, or we we die or strip whatever we have over all those conditions that we were taught to bring us down as a race. That's the only way we're going to win. Mm, interesting. Yeah, definitely. We got to get, get back to community. And yeah. I think we're so we're so fed up with almost each other. Mm. And it's mainly like these narratives Mm -hmm. it's the narratives yeah yeah and it's 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 we i don't know why we embrace hate so much and not love or not forgiveness or not togetherness and stuff like that like yeah we definitely need to kill off this old way of thinking and give birth to the to the new yeah so we got much more left or we gonna go to dna yeah I, I feel like um i could throw one more question out there okay um okay so I feel like the younger generation, we're so easy to start over. We're so easy to rebuild. And we see our, not even our elders, we see like maybe our aunts or our, our, the older generation so stuck in their ways. My question to you is what, what could we do to educate them? What could we do to help them get to the next level of seeing that the, maybe the way that they're doing it, it's just, just because it's the the way they know it may not be the best way. Sometimes you gotta, what they say, you gotta treat teach a, a how to teach a dog new tricks, even though they're never gonna learn new tricks. But like, how do we do that? How do we recondition them? Like, cause I see a lot of um, my like my mother, she she's very um old fashioned in certain types of ways, where she doesn't take risk, or she's like very and and in me, I've always been the risk taker. I've always been the um the optimistic one, not, not scared. I get not scared to die, I guess, or to rebirth myself, whatever the case may be. What advice would you give me to, to help her along her way in some of the, tra in the transition of being rebirthed into more positive thinking? So what I've learned in my 40 years of life, because I've been in some of these uh, mindsets, mm -hmm. you can't save anybody that doesn't want to be saved. That's the first thing. Like, there's this notion that we're going to save the entire Black race. So we're going to save the entire mm -hmm. uh, community and stuff like that. You're not going to save everybody. 
every they, everybody knows what they want out of life. Everybody knows how much self control, determination that they have to mm-hmm. to achieve and go after their dreams. What we need now is those who have elevated in the spaces of political, financial. They need to create more platforms for those who want change to take advantage of it. Because most of the times, like we were saying, information, if we don't know it exists, then how can we take advantage of it? If you don't create a platform that's outreaching to everybody, how we know that we can go search for it? Now, if more rappers or more of our elite Black said, you know, we have this program here. You should mm-hmm. come check it out. Oh, we're having this information bowl, expo, something like that. Y'all should come here. Those like-minded people that are curious about it will show up the same way they would show up to any other pyramid scheme, any other convention mm-hmm. for a cryptocurrency or anything like that. But it needs to be more platforms, more opportunities set up for us to take advantage of. I think that's the key because if everybody starts seeing a shift mm-hmm. for us to make more money to get more homes and stuff like that. Eventually, everybody gonna look over there and say, "Yo, over there looks look cool." And the people that's like, "Nah, I'm cool over here." They gotta stay over there. But at least now you've taken those that are interested in change, mm-hmm. and y'all can go create something. That's what you have with like you know the boule and stuff like that, or the secret societies, or even with the police, like the police unions. Yeah, they're blue before they're black mm-hmm. or white. So everybody know that there can be something corrupt about one cop. But we're not going to turn our backs on our brother because this is our community. This is our team. Mm-hmm. We don't have that unity amongst us. We have it amongst, I see a lot in the streets, a lot in the gangs, a lot. But not just as, yo, we're all the same color. Yeah. And we should all protect each other. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the people that actually do elevate, look down the people that's trying to elevate. Mm-hmm. There's so much behind why we can't get it together but my suggestion for all those all those people that in elite positions just continue to create opportunities or communities for those who want change to thrive even when tyler perry and uh, who was it tyler perry and bishop td jakes bought all that aunt land in atlanta then you look Mm -hmm. at ti in atlanta you look at uh jeezy in atlanta yep you don't have to tell the system i'll show you just go do it and say, hey, look what we look what we have available for you. Exactly. And I always use Tyler Perry as a speaking point because he never said, I'll show you Hollywood. Mm-hmm. He went and he brought the land. He built a studio and said, yo, I got a I'll studio over home. here. Mm-hmm. No, not even that. Just like, yo, I built a studio. I got a studio over here. Anybody want to use it, you use it. Now, nobody's really going to Hollywood no Yep. You feel what I'm saying? It's like, don't come out and say, I'll show you. The more that you say, I'll show them, like, oh, so now you're kind of decisive. It's almost like pro-black is anti-white. And it's like, no, pro-black just means I love being black. Doesn't mean I'm mm-hmm. anti-white, but those are the messagings and opportunity. Just make opportunity for us. And those like us that want more will seek it. If you build it, they will come, basically. <laughs> it just be old-fashioned, my mom. Like, mm-hmm. she still works. And it she'd be like, like, I can't call out of work. I'm like, Ma, you got PTO. You prepared the others. And you ain't, you ain't burning. You ain't, well, you don't work for the fire department. You're not saving lives. You making mm. appointments. But, <laughs> but you know what? It's hard. You know why it's hard to someone take time off? Because even like in this role now, if I take mm-hmm. time off, when I come back, because I'm the only person that does this, does this role, I have so much more to, so much harder to work. So even That's when I'm different. off, even when I'm you, off, I'm still yeah. working. Because I'm like, I don't want to come back to all come these emails and all stuff like that. So, yeah, it all depends on where you work and how much uh, people rely on you. She ain't got that responsibility. <laughs> she just so like, oh, I don't want to call out because I'm like, mom, please. Your mom, you don't call out of work. Your mom is old school. They, she like, is. You can't, you can't change people's mindset. You just should try to see where they'll change. If they don't, just say, okay, I know that. Like, even when I, when I tell my children all the time, I say, I ask everybody something one time. Mm-hmm. I'll never say I'm not going to ask you again. I never say, if you don't, I ask mm-hmm. you one time. If you don't get back to me, then I know going forward with this scenario, I can never ask you again because you didn't answer. Mm-hmm. You're not reliable here. Because I can ask you in another scenario, you might be reliable. Like, oh, so they're reliable in this space, just mm. not that space. I never bring it back up, but I always ask somebody once. If I ever ask you for something, that means that I needed it. And if you ignore it, then I'm like, okay, they're not reliable here. 
Well, that's such, and you don't take it personal. That's a, that's a. No, life be life. Life be life. You like we all have life and life be life. And so life do be life. And uh, I, I can't gotta, stress it I out to say people have a lot of grace with me because I just be all over the place sometimes. Like sometimes I just be like, you know, I'm glad I got friends that understand me because I really do be all over the place. <laughs> the closer I am to you, I might speak to you more. So it might come up. But if I'm yeah. not that close to you where we speak on a daily basis, yeah, I might not even bring it up. You can owe me money. I might not say anything. Mm hmm. I just know going forward, I'm not my, going. me and you and money ain't going to mix. We ain't going to mix. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I get it. I mm-hmm. get it. So I guess we wrap it up if you don't have anything else to ask me. No, nah, I was letting you quarterback this one. Okay, let me see. Do I have some other questions? I don't think so. I think we covered everything. I wanted to definitely touch the rebirth of race. I think we touched the rebirth of transitions, not just like death, like, oh, I'm dead. No, I mean, mm-hmm. but I think <laughs> I think we really dig deep on this topic about soul searching. I think we dig deep about wording, like words itself and the meanings and other people's interpretations of it. Um, I love the fact that we're always able to have a conversation and it and it goes, it may go left or but it always goes right back to where it needs to be. So I appreciate that we have that flexibility of conversation where we may steer from the um the topic, but it always goes back to the topic, which I think a lot of our viewers like as well, that we are open and we have two different personalities, but we do come together and we make a dope podcast, as mm-hmm. I might say. I enjoy so it too. <laughs> I enjoy it as the highlight. Um even though it's been, you know, kind of busy, kind of crazy these last few weeks, but I enjoy taking the time out to have these conversations with you because I really don't get to talk to somebody like this. Um, it's weird that we we talk to people every day and we don't get a chance to really have these deep conversations of thoughts that we may have in our mind. Or we don't even have the ability to to even dig deep sometimes to, to have these type of conversations. So mm-hmm. I appreciate that we take the time out to have people think about different things than social media or different interpretations of what may be. So I appreciate, I just want to say, I appreciate you all the time. Appreciate you too. (laughs) All right. So we're going to wrap it up. We're going to do our DNA decoding, which means what did we take back from this um, wonderful conversation that we had? So I'll start first. What I got from this conversation is that um, death comes in many forms. It's how we uh, wake up in the morning, meaning I could have had a bad day yesterday. Am I going to wake up tomorrow and continue the second bad day? Or am I going to just, you know, reflect on what didn't work yesterday and what can I do today to make it better? And I feel that's everything in life. Um, We can either, you know, one thing Beyonce says, um, everybody looks at her as a perfectionist or as someone who's very successful in in life and she says I only take one day to feel bad for myself and I I, when I heard that I really I give myself one day for everything like I lay in the bed I cry it out I'm depressed I'll vent I'm upset and then the next day I gotta figure out what am I gonna do to change it so um I feel that that kind of coincides with this is as well and I just want to share that you know sometimes we do like you said we got to go through the pain we can't just jump over it the obstacles so I feel like we should give ourselves time to feel it but just don't stay there you know Mm -hmm. and I feel we shouldn't fear death we should just live right Mm, interesting so I will piggyback off of that because you ended on a good note so I will say I hit a point in life where I stopped being afraid of life. Mm. I am more now afraid of the physical form of death only because I'm seeing my grandfather pass away. I'm seeing my grandparents get old. I look at my parents and how they're caring for their parents. And I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. I'm going to take care of you soon. Mm-hmm. Then my kids going to take care of me soon. So the thought of death physically, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. but I am not afraid to die to change my outcome. Mm. And I encourage everybody to not be afraid of dying the old ideology, dying the old self to be reborn to something new and great. Everybody we look up to, everybody we admire had to die in a certain mental or emotional aspect to be the great person that they are. So don't be afraid of death. 
I like that. So as you know, you can always check us out on every social media platform, even though, you know, Ant doesn't like social media. No, he does. <laughs> he just doesn't like the perception or the misconceptions that people can get from social media, if mm -hmm. I'm clear. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So we have our website, www.relationshipdna.com. We also have IG. We also have uh, what TikTok. We also TikTok, have the yeah. Twitter. We, yeah, you can catch us anywhere, Everywhere. anytime, all of the social media platforms, all of the podcast platforms. And we hope to hear from y'all soon. You can send us an email at therelationshipdna at gmail.com as well. Yeah. And as always, I am your humble, gracious co-host, A Smalls. And I am your artistic out of the box, fun loving co-host Omni Brene. <laughs> and we are the relationship DNA. Yes, Thank we you are. for tuning in. Bye bye. Not, not good night. Not goodbye. See you later, Dave. Bye bye. See you later, Ann. <laughs>